Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 14th of May, 2017. I hope you're all surviving this massive onslaught of heavy, heavy supposed geoengineering, as I like to call it, upon a good part of at least Canada and the States, trying to really build storms, of course, that's the intention behind it. And and sure enough, in Quebec and other places across Canada, there caused quite a lot of flooding, pretty bad, severe flooding. And even had the military out in parts of Quebec, too, to help people get out their homes and so on. That's what you can do with weather warfare. And, of course, geoengineering is simply an extension of a very old idea. And to, it's also to give a small clique, basically, that already runs the world financially, the power to control society, right down to deciding who will be born, who will not be born for the next phase of uh, the system. We truly have been run by a small elite for an awful long time. And the arrogance of them, even in the last couple of hundred years, has been quite obvious to those who've read their own materials. They're terribly arrogant and they brought science in to try and justify all their arguments as to why someone has to take charge of the planet and someone has to take charge of society and someone has to take charge of every individual because the the average peon down there can't really run their own lives as far as they're concerned at the top. And that's, that's it in a nutshell, really. It's quite simple. In previous ages, the same big massive fraternity that ran empires through finance, and it was the same bunch really that ran them all from different empires, uh, had incredible control, and they've, uh, they've really amassed even bigger, incredibly big fortunes with world wars. And in the 20th century, after the world wars, they had all the other wars on the go. We've always had wars on the go, quiet ones and hot ones and so on. And the machinery of war really uh, today uh, is so incredibly expensive and, and incredibly profitable for the big companies involved. And if you really look into all the different corporations out there, it all, all goes back to the big, big financiers. That really is where it all goes back to. The CEOs really are, are down the totem pole a little bit, but at the top you always have the financiers who run the big, big money system, the guys who lend to nations and continents and so on, and the guys who lend to, lend to all sides in the wars that they often helped to instigate in the first place. That really is how the world is run. It's not complicated. Uh, it's only your naivety that allows uh, your disbelief to kick in and say, oh, I can't believe that. I can't believe people would do that. Really? Oh, yes, people certainly can do that. They have done it, and they'll continue to do it. Uh, The the psychopathic bunch at the top uh, really have given us lots of more than just clues. They've written about their exploits down through history, and I've even read over the air years ago in detail from their own books, in fact, from their own historians' books, how they've, they've got a parallel view of history because they fill in all the little blank bits that you get left with your regular books as to the question marks as to why things happen. The big boys write in the reasons why, and the reasons why are because they instigate them to happen. The Anglo-American establishment, for instance, put out by Carl Quigley, gets it across in good detail as to how the British Empire was used by a small cabal who were not elected by the public, as government, and this little cabal really reaped the harvest of the diamond industry in Africa, the gold industry in Africa, and so on, by using the British taxpayer to fund military to go in and take care of everything for these private corporate businessmen and financiers. And they, 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 it was really terrific, in fact, the same thing in, in India, where they used the taxpayers to fund the military to go over and conquer a whole bunch of smaller countries and unify them into what they call India, and then lay thousands and thousands of miles of railroad tracks, still used to this day, uh, in order to get all their resources out for private corporations. 
so that taxpayer funded everything for the British Empire and they got used, just like sponges wrung out and tossed away. That's the same system that runs every other country now because now they run the global system. And under a substitute for basic warfare to squeeze us dry and control us all. Because remember, in warfare you have incredible governmental controls on everything from food to rationing of, of gasoline and many other things too. And tremendous controls over every facet of life. And you accept that in wartime. Well, this is the new type of war. It's the war of the climate versus the people. And it's all your fault, basically. So you're going to pay for it, and you're going to have scientists and, and government agencies running your life in every possible minute area, as well as all the larger areas of existence. No, I'm not kidding you about that. It's no exaggeration. And it's not alarmism either. It's a fact. They've written about this. They've, they've had their own big think tanks discuss it to find ways of controlling the people, getting the people to give up their rights to control themselves and run their own lives and reasons to do it, and that's what they came up with. That was the con, climate change, and the people are at fault, and now you're going to really suffer. Under Agenda 21, which is now in 2030, and so it's still the same agenda for the whole century. That's the 21st century. You literally are going to have all your free money being taken away from you in taxes and fees and so on in a post-consumerist society. So that's where you are going into right now. Our lives really are shaped and run by non-governmental organizations. It's not new, as I've said before, that this has happened, but it is new to an extent that over the last 40-odd years or so, they've been growing in numbers, all these organizations, and they network together. They're really all branches of the same masters, you might say, at the very top. The masters tell them what to do. And they go off and do, do it. They lobby governments too in order to make incredibly major changes in society. You need the public's approval, at least acceptance of your, your big plans. And therefore, it has to be on a wartime footing. You don't have an actual war as such. It's a war of something else, but it's still a war. It's a war of nature versus humanity or humanity versus nature. And that is why the experts will step in, the new field marshals, etc., to run our lives. It was planned a long time ago. It's uh, so incredibly huge, all the different interlacing organizations. It's massive, and it's incredibly well-funded, with both with your tax money and private foundational money as well. The, the big uh, philanthropists, as they call themselves, are on board with it, the Bill Gates and many, many other types too. And they believe they have the right to rule the world. It's an old, old battle, this idea of allowing those that, that believe that they are uh, superior to everybody else intellectually, they've always believed they, had, they should have the right to, to rule the rest of the general public. And you've got to remember too that we live in an age of an incredibly diverse, psychopathic <laughs> institutions, I would say, because in so many of the sciences you'll find they're actually taught that they are superior to start with in those particular fields. And they also believe that eugenically they are superior. They get all of that drummed into them. They've already got a hankering for it. That's why they go into it to start with. But it gets drummed into them, and they come out believing they have the right to tell the rest what to do. And it really ticks them off no end that the public don't just obey and grovel and bow to them. It really, really does upset them. So when they get governmental approval, they're very, very happy. But they themselves must get funding again from the private quarters. And so once again, you have the big, big international lenders, the real money bags at the very, very top of the tree as always. But this is definitely the change for the 21st century to get everything um, accomplished that was planned a long time ago, spoken about copiously and written about copiously too. And there's still other meetings ongoing yet to do with how to manage the general public and get them to do, actually, how to get the public to give up all their rights and freedoms. And that's the excuse. To save themselves, you've got to give them all up. 
and, and let the, the masters of the universe run your lives for you. That's very simple. Everything is also timed to come together at the same time. Therefore, you have the beginnings of financial failures in a service economy. In the 1970s, the top economists in Britain gave their viewpoints in what the EU was pushing at the time, and that was a service economy where you you literally import everything under free trade and pass them around, selling, selling, selling to the consumer. But eventually they said that you'd collapse. You you couldn't just keep on going that way because eventually you collapse. You have to manufacture things from the start, from raw products and raw materials all all the way up to the real products and then sell them to the retailers, etc., and then to the consumer. That's all gone to an extent once you, you, you simply bring in free trade where you simply import the, the stuff to, right to the retailer and they sell it. It's a whole bunch of steps where the government doesn't, it's losing out on tax money in so many different steps from raw materials all the way up to the, to the finished good. So therefore, it was understood back then that it's not meant to last. They knew that. Never think that people at the top simply make mistakes. It doesn't happen like that. Uh, there are so many big think tanks working at the top, uh, always projecting into the future all the things that could possibly go wrong with any part of any of their plans. And they, they, that they always make sure that they, they allow for all these things to happen. Most of them don't, but they, they're always in charge. They're not stupid. So therefore, don't think for a, um, uh, for, for a second that it's just happening because we're all this dumb and stupid and we can't help ourselves. We're helpless. They want you to think we're helpless, but everything that's happening today was made to happen that way. Free trade was made to happen. Free trade was brought to you from the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, same group. They were the ones who drafted up the, the free trade agreements for NAFTA. Uh, they, they actually were behind uh, the arranging of the European Union. And also the Pacific Rim region too, which is also another block as well, trading block. They were working at that long, long time ago, and uh, they've never given up. It's ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. Private organization with its members in every, every area of power and every area of the media, because media is very important. You get your thoughts from the media. You even get your opinions from the media, whether you know it or not. Because they'll guide you carefully to the conclusions they they want you to have. Now I've covered the bailouts we've had in the past for the big banks, where they plunder the general populace and they get off with it too. And they get off with it because they must get off with it, because the big boys that run the world are not the people that you vote into power. That's why they get off with it. And then, we'll, then they set up the, the schemes to get bail-ins where this time it's going to happen or the next time it's going to happen, they'll simply take it from the savings and deposits in the banks rather than have the, the taxpayer bail them out, supposedly. But in the same clauses and in the same multitude of papers and pages and so on to do with bail-ins, they, they do have exclusions where they can also also get government help for to get them out of trouble as well if there's not enough deposits there. Now, that tells the, the banks to, to go ahead as always and keep plundering <laughs> and overpricing everything to get big, big returns back on all the interest and the money they loan out. So it's business as usual. And that's what I'm going to touch on tonight as well because Canada is on the brink. It's been on the brink for a long time, especially since we don't really produce much in Canada except raw materials for export. But we import an awful lot. Everything else we import, of course. And it came out about the, the downgrading of Canada's big banks. That's all the big ones. On concerns of an overheated housing market. Now, the housing market has been overpriced in Canada for years now. For years. And they've had the top people in government before who watch all this kind of thing come out every so often and warn them to, to bring it down to realistic prices for the prices of, of houses. But... You run with massive monopolies as well for real estate agencies, etc. And they all want to get as much money as possible for themselves. So they jack up the prices of these stick houses that we all live in. 
But it says here, concern about Canada's heavily indebted households and hot housing market ratcheted higher Thursday after Moody's downgraded the ratings for Canada's major banks, sending shares of the lenders lower and weakening Canada's currency. Moody's says there are concerns about over-indebtedness. Now, it just means overpricing of housing. <laughs> Uh, and high housing prices that could leave lenders vulnerable to potential losses on assets. The reasons given will sound eerily familiar to an Australian audience. This is from an Australian paper. This is analyst Mason Stevens. Moody's cited ballooning private sector debt and unchecked house appreciation as it trimmed the credit ratings for Canada's six largest banks. Now, it's also a con pulled by these these so-called regulating agencies that are private organizations like Moody's is private, and they're their own customers as well, which are, which are awfully happy to have other banks downgraded uh, because it's a scam. Everything to do with money is managed, and it's a scam. That's how it's done. Everything that's really, it sounds official is always a scam as well. But the problem is, though, that, that banks will react to this, and Canada's currency will be downgraded, and interest rates will go higher. So anyway, they named the Bank of Montreal, Toronto Dominion, Bank of Nova Scotia, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, National Bank of Canada and Royal Bank of Canada had their long-term debt and, and deposit ratings lowered one notch. The downgrade left Toronto Dominion with a long-term debt rating of AA2. The other five banks had their ratings lowered to A1, Mason Stevens said. So it's a negative outlook on all six banks. Continued growth in Canadian consumer debt and elevated housing prices leave consumers and Canadian banks more vulnerable to downside risk facing the Canadian economy than in the past, it says. The household debt-to-income ratio has risen to a record high of 167%, and house prices have more than doubled in the two biggest markets, Toronto and Vancouver, since 2009. The downgrades expected to turn banks and investors more cautious about Canada's long housing boom and heady mortgage market. Coming just weeks after, Home Capital Group in Canada, Canada's biggest non-bank lender, faced a sharp withdrawal of deposits after a regulator said it made misleading statements to investors about its mortgage underwriting business. Now, it should be remembered that pretty well all the countries, the big countries, signed on to the World Bank's idea of bail-in. It's all signed into law. And so the next one will be just grabbing all your money in the bank. And that's it, basically. It would also help NAFTA deal as well, because NAFTA eventually wanted a unified Americas, similar to the EU. Therefore, it's easier, for, I understand it's easy for the big boys to have three major systems of amalgamation where you only have to deal with three super parliaments rather than have a whole bunch of separate countries to deal with. It's harder to persuade them all to go along with your agendas. If you have something like the EU, it's easier by getting the right gophers in who will take the, the right, you know, the right pay, you might say, and uh, get the nod and the wink and do what they're told. And it's easier to control that and get everything done with a whole bunch of nations involved than just having each one approached individually and then try and entice them to go along with it. It's much easier in politics for unscrupulous types of people to get what they want because politicians are very, very prone to offers, put it that way. Compromises, that's another way of putting it too. Once they leave politics, they can get lots of money by signing books and things. A lot more money than the books signing should actually bring in, just like Obama's finding out now. But the same thing happened with Bill Clinton too. These are payoffs, and everyone knows it. It's legal payoffs, which cannot be touched. They can always you know, tongue-in-cheek say, with a big spell on their face, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, they really appreciate me signing these books with my signature on it. But of course, we all know why they're getting this kind of payoff. Same with little speeches they make, and they get about a million dollars a time for uh, spending 10 minutes reading a script that someone else wrote for them. It's all legal paybacks for doing what you're told. We, we all know this. We know this, don't we? And yet we go along with the same farce every few years with politics and, and voting and all that nonsense. And the people keep getting let down because they really want to still believe in it. They want to believe someone will come in and clean up town for them, 
you know, Clint Eastwood, just writing there, clean up the whole town and put it to rights and right, right off into the sunset and, and that's it, basically, because everyone's scared to do it all themselves. People don't want to stand up individually and complain. And it's a very unfortunate thing because the same people who won't do that won't want other folk to do it for them. And when they don't give them what they want, they'd pretty well crucify you, figuratively speaking. And that's just uh, how it always, always is. People don't want to write into different departments of government and complain. They don't want to do that. They don't want the government to, to take notice of them. But they want you to do it all for them. You take the heat, you do all the work, and, and they also want you to give them what they want, which is very childish, of course, but that's how it is. For years and years, I've been talking about the reality of the system because I hadn't been fooled. I'm not a con man either. This meant to lead you like a pied piper in circles and diffuse your energies because that's what generally happens. Your leaders are supplied to you. You're supposed to do the work yourselves and complain yourselves directly to the folk you complain to. That's what your mouth is for. That's what you can, you're, you can read and write for. You can send off letters. You can email these people. You can phone them. And just letting them know that millions of folk are very unhappy about things it might get some results. might get some results. But waiting for someone else to do it for you is not going to happen. It doesn't happen that way. And you should know all that by now anyway. You really should. I've said before that democracy gives you elections every four or five years to stop you having revolutions. Because you hope the next one will be better than the last lot. And you're always played as suckers. Always, always, always. But you never learn. And change can only happen. Change for the good can only happen if you all speak up individually. Because you can't get compromised that way by groups. Groups are easier to compromise. But individually, yeah, you can let them know what you're thinking. And they're really unhappy about things. And there's no law about complaining. You're supposed to complain. And that's the only way that, that anything can really, really change. At least to know then they have to cater a bit more to different kinds of people that way. Now getting back to these bank articles on Canada. Now Canada just an example of the rest of the, of the, of the countries as well. Because we're all back into the same scam of overpricing of, of homes especially. Actually overpricing of everything really. And the big corporations make incredible bonuses for themselves every year. You've seen them before. The banks do the same thing. We bail out banks, and at the end of the year, they give themselves million-dollar bonuses again. It's just incredible corruption. And they're laughing at the general public. Just laughing, really. Remember, too, I went through the, the different laws to do with banks years ago, that when you put money into a bank for deposit or or even checking that the bank no longer sees it as yours, it's actually theirs. That's why you have to sign to get it back out, even though they know you in the bank. <laughs> That's how the, the, these kind of things work. Getting back to this, this article here, they, they talk about it, just over, overheated uh, prices out of sight. And that's what happened with the 2008 collapse, remember, 2007-2008 collapse. Same thing. They were juggling these prices and selling them in big packages of multiple mortgages and keeping jacking up the prices until it was just in outer space somewhere. So, so badly. And, and no, one, no one was punished for that, except the public. The public always get punished. And those poor suckers who lost their homes. Yeah. There's another one here, too, says, Home capital fails to draw buyout interest from Canada banks. And Canadian banks and financing firms are so far showing little interest in buying Home Capital Group, Inc. That's the one that went under pretty well. Vindicating short sellers who say the embattled mortgage lender could be sold off piecemeal, driving the stock down further. People in the industry would rather see these guys go out of business because the loans aren't worth the risk and they're so leveraged, said Mark Cohodes, private investor, part-time chicken farmer in California, who's been shorting the stock or betting on declines for more than two years. Home cattle is looking for buyers amid an outflow of deposits that have seen customers withdraw about $1.6 billion Canadian 
in a month. The withdrawals led to a debt rating uh, cuts by Standard Poor's Global Ratings late Tuesday to B- from B+, the second downgrade in six days. The company postponed the release of its first quarter earnings scheduled for aftermarkets Wednesday to May 11th. Other banks have indicated that they aren't interested in the lender. Canadian Western Bank CEO Chris Fowler said his Edmonton-based lender, which is as an alternative mortgage business, would not be a buyer for all of home capital. And they go on and on and on. And, um, but the thing is, all the banks are, are, are really <laughs> just sitting their fingers crossed right now in Canada because, as I've said before um, in the previous article, all the biggies are on the verge themselves, really. It wouldn't take much. really wouldn't take much. And plus, when they're kicking all the different taxes that they're going to hit the, the, the people with very shortly, they already hit them in some places already with carbon taxes and things like that. It's just going to make things worse and worse and worse. We know that. So do the big boys too, mind you. Now, when it comes to nuclear disaster problems, they're not unique. And they happen pretty frequently, in fact, when you go into the histories of atomic power and, and what happens to the big stations in Britain and elsewhere across the world, they're always having problems. And I can remember in Canada too, where every so often uh, one of the plants that, that use water from Lake Ontario pours water back into the Ontario uh, and water that's contaminated from whatever reason they have, superheating or whatever they call, they call it generally. And they always play it down as no big deal. The radiation, of course, because it accumulates and it's got such a long lifespan, uh, as it shortens your lifespan, it really is a very dangerous stuff and uh, there's no real safe level, as they're told. We know from the Fukushima problem, for instance, they're still ongoing, massively so, uh, that radiation levels are, are so high all around the area and for a good distance beyond that really uh, you'll never get rid of it. And remember, too, the different kinds of particles of uh, atomic radiation. Sometimes you'll need a tiny little particle to cause cancer. It's rather rather nasty stuff indeed. We just don't know how to handle it. And that's why it's always been a mystery to a lot of people as to why it's always been pushed is a must-be for the world. There's nothing wrong with coal. We know coal, for instance, is to be a no-no under all the big monopoly powers that want their fuels to be used instead. And that's really what it is, too, is to get governments to mandate what you will use for fuel as opposed to coal. And coal, with all the scrubbers that they had on the the big uh, stacks, really is a very, very clean way of heating or even getting turbines to work, electrical turbines, etc. Very, very good stuff. And we've got such a, an almost, a, really, it's got centuries of supplies left of coal. But that's not to be. Instead, we've got to use windmills, which are always breaking down, and it costs an awful lot of money to maintain. And again, it's big monopoly power. And, and, which, and the same monopolies, of course, really, I mean, let's be honest, they're always lobbying governments to get what they want. And there has to be big payoffs. There has to, we know there's payoffs at the top level. Of course, there's payoffs to get things done. Otherwise, you would have a lot of different forms of creating power, including, as I say, uh, the coal with the, with the modern scrubbers, they call them, and the, and the stacks that take out all the carbon, etc. It's not to be. You will see rationing down the road because that's also part of the big plan to control everybody in the planet. And when you're rationed, it's like a wartime situation. That's why they want a wartime situation, to bring in all their emergency plans for ruling our lives into the next phase to suit the masters of the world. And gradually we'll, we'll just basically die off and, and fewer and fewer folk breed, so eventually they'll get what they want. They always think long term. The Chinese are much better at that because they, they do think in centuries ahead. Now, getting back to some of the what they call stories uh, that put out, we do know that there's been a nuclear spill, although they're trying to play it down in the US, another one. 
and it's in Washington State, and it says the energy chief pledges investigation into collapse. Well, that's a standard thing I always tell you anyway. It says in May 9th, 2017, Washington State, this happened. A portion of an underground tunnel containing rail cars filled with radioactive waste collapsed at a sprawling storage facility in a remote area of Washington State. Now, what they did is just fill these things up years ago with the radioactive waste and buried all these rail cars, basically. That's, they don't know what to do with this stuff. I mean, what do you do with something that's got half-lives of half a million years or, or longer, etc.? What do you do with it, hmm? So out of sight, out of mind, and, and the people on, on the surface go around chomping the grass as usual and playing themselves. And that's how it's done, until some terrible thing happens. And they have these all over the world. They just don't know what to do. I've mentioned before in talks how they literally dump uh, containers into lakes in different countries, into the sea as well, off of Britain, for instance, into the Channel and elsewhere. And... These things rust through, these containers just rust through eventually and the stuff leaks into the water. It's as though those in charge of the power at the moment will leave all the problems to the next generation or whatever. They want profit now and they don't want any, any cost, uh, loss basically. At one time all businesses accepted, as I've mentioned before, that there's a cost to doing business, for materials or whatever it happens to be, blah, blah, blah. But today, every, every, all the big corporations want to maximize their profits by eliminating as much cost as possible. So this is what they do with, with uh, this kind of fuel, etc. Anyway, it says here, this happened at Hanford Nuclear Reservation in Benton County, Tuesday, May 9th, 2017. This is a portion of an underground tunnel containing the cars uh, filled with radioactive waste collapsed at a sprawling storage facility in a remote area of Washington State, forcing an evacuation of some workers at the site that made plutonium for nuclear weapons. This is a very old uh, plant here. For decades after World War II. They show you the different pictures of it and so on. But they, they show you a 20 foot by 20 foot hole. It could be bigger now, we don't know, because they've put on a no-fly zone over the top of it, so no one can go over it and photograph it, at least for the public. This is in the roof of storage tunnel at the Hanford Nuclear Reservation near Richland, Washington, Tuesday, May 9th. An emergency was declared Tuesday after the partial collapse of the tunnel that contained the rail cars, full of waste, and they show you different signs that put up, etc., etc., to try to play it down and so on, and try to tell you that, that there's no real, no real radiation in the air. They, they think, although they moved lots of people out from the area, in case the stuff was blowing in the wind, now that the stuff is uncovered. And then another one too. So about 3,000 workers in central Hanford initially were told to take shelter indoors, including about 1,000 workers at the vitrification plant construction site. This is that the DOE announced that Secretary Perry is aware of the incident and that there's no initial indication of any worker exposure. Well, they always say that. I mean, I mean, you just don't suddenly drop dead with it. That's how radiation works on you. can take a while. This is meanwhile private pilots in the area have been told to avoid flying over Hanford. And they're working with the Federal Aviation Administration to put a formal air restriction in place until the FAA can confirm there's no danger. Well, this is, this is happening all over the place, this kind of thing, too. We don't know what to do with this waste, as they call it, waste. That's what happened, too, as you well know, at Fukushima. They had big story facilities of so-called spent rods. And there's also a system today where you can bring in so-called spent rods. that They're not free of radiation, they're reduced, certainly, but they can be, in a sense, almost like a battery in a way, kind of get, getting recharged full, with its full strength again and then and put back to different plants. I can remember years ago in Britain, because Britain's always been so broke since probably World War I <laughs> onwards, then World War II kicked them and they did them in altogether with the debt they had to pay and all the problems that they had with uh, the Windermere plant, etc., leaking and leaking and leaking. And eventually, I think it was Margaret Thatcher, when she was in, she started to allow Britain to so-called bring in these spent rods from other countries and they would recharge them to an extent and then send them back again. Because Britain need, need the money. It's, uh, ah, well, what can you say? This, you can talk about this kind of stuff for hours and hours and hours, there's no point to it. But, as I say, we're, we're living in a stage of keep the public in complete ignorance. That is 
what we're supposed to be in. And the first thing in any big disaster, or even small disaster, is to lie to the public, play it down, and never tell them the truth. Don't, don't spook the cattle when they're grazing in the fields. That's, li- that's literally it across the whole planet. The whole planet. We know that. And that happened, too, with uh, the Ukrainian disaster years ago, when the, the graphite reactor there went into meltdown. And the government in Russia at the time, the Soviet system, lied and lied and lied, and ha- even had parades, the people in local towns and, on their parade days out in force, and rather than have them get in the, far away from the area as possible, they're trying to play it all down, and uh, that's what they do. So never believe governments when it comes to something serious. Their first duty is to lie to you. Mind you, the, the first duty, even when there's no disaster happening, is to lie to you with everything else as well. <laughs> that's what they use public relations companies to put things across in, a, in a, an acceptable, calm manner to the public that doesn't frighten them. If they wanted to take away three quarters of your, your wage in taxes, they'd find a, a PR company that could put it across in such a way that you, you wouldn't be quite sure what was happening. And you'd actually feel pretty good about it by the time they're finished with you. That's how good they are. But we're never told the truth really about anything. And that's why you're supposed to think for yourself. You have to think for yourself and everything. And people will tell me what people will often write to me and say, well, "What do we do about this? What do we do about that?" And and it's not so much what do we do; it's what do you, what will you do? That's what you got your brain for. If you go into a wee situation, someone's going to be running your life, probably from the government, an agent or something. There's stacks and stacks of agents out there, running all kinds of sides of everything. For every side there is, there's, there's agents involved. They have full-time staff doing that kind of thing and special courses for them in the agencies to do that. They did that in Britain before I was born. You couldn't join a poetry club without some agent coming in and getting to know you all without you knowing who they were. That's just how it is. Long before the internet and back into the 1800s, the city of London alone had over 5,000 spies, full-time spies, working for the British government. They just went round bars and tea shops and so on, listening to chatter about wherever they went. That's how you keep control over everything. That's what power is. And you've got to admit to yourself, too, that power itself is a very delicate thing. Uh, you always can point out the evils of any particular power that's in at any particular time in any particular country. But remember, too, that you can, even if you get used by some competing power that wants to get in, you can be, end up in an even worse situation. Because all powerful people, people who, who desire power and seek power, are basically psychopaths. I've given talks on that for years and years. They crave power. That's the type that go into it. Ordinary folk don't want it. They don't want to go in and, and, and lie to the general public. Ordinary folk don't want to do that. But the psychopath does it naturally, so they're made for it in a sense. There's even many talks about, are the natural leaders of the world psychopaths? And it does make you wonder, doesn't it? Because we, the history of the world, the real, the real history of the world, when we take off all the, the fluffy bits that's been covering it for an awful long time, it's pretty well been a horror show, really. Where elites have always used the, the masses for their own aggrandizement at the top. The level of living for those at the top structure, the pyramid structure, around royalty, for instance, and then into the governments that we have today, the ones around them are living like kings and queens did, uh, actually more in a better style of living than they did even two or three hundred years ago. Uh, it's, it's astonishing to, to when you really realize the level of... Uh, Luxury that so many folk live in today For doing very little, in fact Very, very little So it doesn't surprise me We're always run by the evil people But you take most of Europe And Britain especially, perhaps Right into the 1800s The politicians that they had in Britain Early politicians Really were often put in by corporations Of the day and other ones were, were elected by supposedly the people, but they'd be, they'd, they'd be representing the big manufacturers, really, that, that saw themselves as a separate group from 
from the, the people who worked all the cotton shuttles or whatever else it happened to be. Uh, that's just how it, how it was. And they took bribes galore. It was well documented. Everybody took bribes from the big corporations. And it was like a business. Becoming a politician was, big, was like joining another branch of business where you simply looked for the best bid or bribe uh, to push forward some lobbyist uh, for a big corporation of the day. The general population really were living at a pauper status, even though they did all the work. And the same with the farmers. To most farmers, great buy up until the 20th century. And in the 20th century, there nothing but wars where government stepped in again and, and took most of their produce from them. World War I, people don't realize, had rationing for the British folk, for instance. They went from World War I into the Great Depression, because Britain owed so much money to the bankers because of World War I. They were in the Depression before the crashes elsewhere. So they had World War I and rationing for food, etc., into the, the Depression, into World War II. And World War II, the rationing didn't stop till the early and mid-50s, 1950s. So, literally, <laughs> uh, you had people on almost starvation level diets, and very poor diets at that. That's why so many folk were small. And their children ended up getting a bit bigger. And then the next generation get a bit bigger still. But even at that, even at that, when you've gone through tremendous deprivation for two or three generations, changes happen in the offspring from the first and second and third generation. And, and that's why there are so many cancers and different things and problems today. That's one of the reasons, I should say. But that's how the people were treated. For what? For what? And then once they had World War II through, they started bringing in uh, people from all over the world into Britain uh, to make it international. So they'd fought wars, supposedly, to keep their, their country and their culture. And then, and then they were supposed to give it all away. And that's what's, that's what's happened to the present day. It's gone. Britain is finished. It's gone. And they teach them in school how bad the old system was and how bad all the people were, etc., 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 and how good the new system is. It's really astonishing. You never get truth out of anything, even when it's happening. Even when you think you're fighting for your lives, as you do in world wars, and threatened with invasion, the masters of the world already have the plans of how they're going to use this for a different purpose altogether, as you're all spilling your blood to try and save everything. You're used and you're used and you're used over and over again. That will never stop. Because psychopaths, especially the, the intelligent psychopaths, scheme, they scheme way in advance. These are the guys who are the top CEOs of corporations and so on. Always scheming, always scheming, always scheming. And that's the truth of the matter. And that's why you'll never have peace. And that's why you'll never get any further ahead because they'll still plan to have their bank crashes every so often as they're planning again. In fact, what they generally do, it's like FDR's time, what they generally do is is they half the value of the currency when they have the, the crash and bring in supposedly the new system. Sometimes they bring in a new type of currency under a different name, but it's worth generally half the value of the old currency. And so you've lost, 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 lost. And that's why only the psychopathic cliques always get richer and richer as you get poorer and poorer and poorer. And a lot of what I'm talking about is taught, it's actually taught in some universities of how to do it all. Just like they teach them how to, to, to maximize their profits, as I've said before, and pay nothing or hardly anything for cost. That's why the, the, their masters created free trade and put all of the factories over to China, where they had slave, really cheap, cheap, cheap labor. Come on. And they never lowered the prices for the, for the produce. No, they, they keep jacking them up. So they have incredible profits, incredible profits. And if you think that any president in the U.S. or anybody else is going to bring all the business back home, you've got another thing coming. Because it, it, even if you really meant it, even if you meant it, the corporations are not going to go back to paying out decent wages in America or Canada or anywhere else for that matter. It's not going to happen. But I say they teach this kind of stuff at university courses for business and how to maximize profits 
and the teacher, teacher also in, in economics, etc., etc., where the, the, the ones who are smart, supposedly, who can laugh at all the people who are not so smart and, and actually use them. And that really is what business is about to that high, high level. It's using people. And mind you, too, when you've trained the public to be docile, when you've trained them that everything's fine, when you've trained them that they can, they can entertain themselves forever with, with, for pennies, really, in this day and age, and so on and so on, then the people really won't take much notice on the big things that are happening around them. And that, that's done by design. That's done by design. If they can keep you entertained and distracted, then you'll put up with an awful lot of nonsense right to the bitter end, if it needs to be. In fact, I really think that they have, through their wargaming situations at very high levels, worked through, and their other computer models, how society would react through all different kinds of situations. How would we manage them through all these nasty situations where they're deprived of good food and various other things too. And sure enough, you'll always find that cheap, cheap, lots of cheap entertainment and sex and so on will keep them distracted even through the, the most horrible times. And that's how we're managed by those that manage us. And behavioral psychology is used in neuroscience, etc. Because we, it's true, we're so incredibly well studied that those at the top are pretty confident that they'll never lose control. That's always, that was always the fear in previous times, the fear of losing control over, over their herd, the herd that they live off. And uh, but it doesn't matter if it's, if it's communist or, or capitalist, it's all the same people at the top running it. And they'll benefit regardless of what they want to call the system. But they've always had that fear of losing the herd through unforeseen circumstances. So they're always playing these war games on various other things. Why would, it, why would the public start to go off in a different direction and not listen to their masters, etc., etc., etc.? It's always been a problem. It was a problem in Francis Bacon's day, where he and many others, even when you read Machiavelli, Machiavelli was the same thing. They wrote their basically a resume to kings and queens of how to manage the people. And they all say the same thing, never tell the people the truth. Always be devious and tell the people lies. Tell the people lies even when there's no need to tell them lies, etc., etc. And it's quite something. Today it's called neuroscience, psychology, behavioral psychology, and administrative psychology. Same thing. But uh, but really, we're pretty well managed today, very well, in fact, because, as I say, there's never been a time where... There's so many distractions for people. And that's all it is, is distractions through the internet and through various other, other means as well to keep them occupied and stop them from going off in a different direction. A lot of work goes into keeping the system fairly stable, even though we're being plundered all the time and abused all the time. It's still kept fairly stable. And today with the internet, actually, and with, with real-time monitoring of all the chats and the tweets of the little birds and so on. And little birds that tweet are no harm to anybody, as, as you well know. That's why they call it tweeting. But they can monitor everything you're up to and what you're complaining about in real time, and they know just how to tweak different parts of the agenda and the system and so on. And they even know the percentages of people who won't go along with certain parts of the system. And then they have universities getting massive grants and the data from the internet and ways to work around your defences of why you won't go along with certain things and to break it down so that you will comply. It's quite elaborate. It's not. It's no miracle working because with unlimited financing from the taxpayer, they can do whatever they want, as you well know. Rather sad, isn't it? But if you, if you really understand how the taxpayers, the standard of living they could have in a real world, maybe an awful lot different than what you've got today. The one that you're told to, to, that you're living in. Mean, remember that all the articles are read from Bertrand Russell from the 1930s. And he worked with all the groups that they created the present system you're living through today with internationalism and the amalgamation of countries into blocks and so on. He, he worked with all these different groups. And he, he went through the whole, the whole agenda. And he said the public could be coerced to do anything 
with the right proper psychological tools applied to them. And it's so true. They knew it back then. They could do it quite easily. And with today's tools, it's, it's incredibly easy. Incredibly easy. With the electronic systems of banking, and they're really pushing the IMF and the World Bank to have it, to have all cash gone, the way of the dodo bird, in order to monitor everything about you. But the, but the other plan for governments, and I really mean this, is not, this is no speculation, this is from their own writings, is to give you, down the road, to give you everybody, and, and again, they're talking about it right now, giving everybody a particular, almost a salary every month or weekly, but probably every month, issued by the state. And this is, this is what I'm saying is so similar to communism in a way, because they all work together. And all, they're all ruled by the same people, the top bankers, by the way. And they'll get put into, electronically, into your account. Bertrand Russell talked about that too. He called it credits. And then the government would give social approval and social disapproval. If you said something that was negative to any policy that the government was pushing, or anything that they said you mustn't talk about or whatever, they would withhold your, your money per month. And they'd punish you by that. That's how they'd punish you. They'd bring you to your knees so you couldn't buy your food, you couldn't pay your rent, because it'll be rental only in the future. Although private corporations, which already exist, will own pretty well all the rental accommodation across the planet. But, uh, yeah, you, you, you'll have to comply and be good, be good, and say all the politically correct things. You'll have to police your own mind. That's called self-policing, according to the UN, or they'll punish you by withholding. So, you understand, that's another reason why they want to get rid of cash. So they can punish you, direct you. Most folk, mind you, will go along with the agenda. No matter what the agenda is, they'll go along with it. Because they've been trained to be naive, they've been trained to be trusting, and they've been trained to be ignorant of how power works over populations. So they're trusting. You've heard, how many times have you heard that, that, that said, oh, they'd never do that to us, or they'd never, no one would ever do that, or somebody would stop them. Now, right now, as I've said, I've read the articles like last week, where governments have been talking about by their think tanks that, that, again, you don't vote these think tanks in from these private institutions and so on, the ones that somehow graft themselves on and advise governments. But these think tanks talked about the cashless society and how they would manage society from the governmental level and give a lot of people basically a wage because we can't all work, they claim, because of machinery and robots, robotics taking over their, their jobs, etc. But what they really mean is that they're not, going to, they're not going to get rid of free trade where everything's made in China. They're not, they're not going to bring the plants back to your countries, etc., etc. Because machines can't do everything. And who says they have to in the first place except to maximize the profit? Well, how can you maximize the profit and maximize the profit if no one can afford to buy anything? Or more and more folk are unemployed? Well, again, the government's going to give them all the wages for existing. But once they give them a wage, then you're under the power of the government as to how you're going to live, what standard of living you're going to have, and they're going to direct your life with all kinds of workers and new kinds of social workers, etc. And then they'll give you little tidbits to give you, oh, here, take this little thing here. If you, if you take this free vasectomy, you'll get extra money with, with, your, with your welfare. Although I have a new nice name for welfare, uh, your, your payment uh, this next month. So just take that little snip there and be good and we'll give you extra money because you're helping reduce the population by not breeding. All this stuff was discussed before, you know, I was born. And it's been all put out into the open again. Yep, all been put out again. In the 1960s, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, met in London. And they laid out the plan for the whole world. And in that plan, they had that. They said, oh, and all the papers, if you look up the old papers, you'll see it. The future is going to be utopia. It's always, they always sell you utopias as they bring you hell. But it's going to be utopia. And, and they had pictures and drawings of people walking around in togas and 
there was so much leisure time that very few folk would have to work. And the ones that did would do it as an honor and a privilege. It was back in the 1960s by this private institution that runs the world on behalf of the people at the top that run it all through cash and money, who own everything. That's the real world we live in. But they could never have gotten away with it if it didn't run all the school systems, brainwash you, and teach you not to think for yourself. That's what school does. I came out of school, and for a while I could recite all the different battles and who did it. And it was all like some foreign language to me, really, because it meant nothing to me. It meant nothing to most people. Because it never told you any truths about the, a British empire. What on earth was a British empire? Why did it exist in the first Why was it over the world? How come the people across Britain didn't benefit from this British empire, but a clique in London did? Hmm? Never explained. Another thing, too, is to remember is there's no real free speech. Money is power. And those who own it all have the power. He who hath the gold maketh the rules. That was an old... Broadman scene, I think it was. And you, you'll find that even in, in comedy and satire, the, the, the big boys don't have any sense of humor anymore. At one time, the court jester could, could make a comment about something the king was doing at the time, and he would do it in a witty, a clever, witty way, in such a way that everybody would laugh, hopefully the king too. And that way, the jester kept his head attached to his body. Today, they don't really have much of a sense of humor when it comes to power, and they use it immediately. Immediately. And here's an article here, for instance, and it's from Fort Dodge in Iowa. And it talks about a cartoonist. This is Rick Friday, that's his name, has been giving farmers a voice and a laugh every Friday for two decades uh, through his cartoons and farm news. So 20 years he's been putting out cartoons for the farm news. He announced on Sunday that his job was over after 21 years in a Facebook post that, that he's had, uh, it's gone viral. It says, again, I fall hard in the best interest of large corporations. I'm no longer the editorial cartoonist for Farm News due to the attached cartoon, which was published yesterday. Apparently a large company affiliated with one of the corporations mentioned in the cartoon was insulted and cancelled their advertisement with the paper. Thus, resulting in the reprimand of my editor and cancellation of Friday cartoons after 21 years of service and over 1,090 published cartoons to over 24,000 households per week in 33 counties of Iowa. He said, I did my research and only submitted the facts in my cartoon. And it goes on and tells you what happens. And he said in the cartoon, and I'll put these links up tonight, but it says, the first says, I wish there was more profit in farming. This is the farmers talking to each other. The second farmer answers and says, there is, in, in the year 2015, the CEOs of Monsanto, DuPont, Pioneer, and John Deere combined made more money than 2,129 Iowa farmers. And that, that's it. That's what, that's what got them fired, basically. Because the big corporations don't have humor. They're, they're purely business, profit, and, and you know, and, and lobbying government to make sure they can use their stuff on the fields, etc., that we end up eating in our, on our, with our vegetables. And that's, that's how business really works. So even, even satire and, and cartoons isn't safe anymore. Nowadays, the court jester would have his head separated from his body. And that's how we live. We're living in a, in a more intolerant age when it comes to real political correctness. Political correctness doesn't have a sense of humor. It demands you behave. It demands, and actually eventually, just like in 1984, that will demand that you will see what, what your boss wants you to see. And you will think, you really will think, you won't just emulate it, you'll think what your boss tells you to think, and you better believe it all. That's where you're going with all of these sciences. Well, from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, who is heavily, heavily sprayed and been trying to build up the storms and get a real big one going so they can get national emergencies everywhere. It's good night. 
in the Your God, Your God School with you.